Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Guys, we're in Psalm 5. And the psalm, this psalm in particular, the first part of this psalm, this is a psalm what David wrote. It was written for the choir to sing. And it was actually one of the psalms that's actually written in the Hebrew. They put little notes above the psalm. Um, directions to the choir director. And this one is actually to be accompanied with the flute. So this is a psalm that was sung with, with flute accompaniment and, and sung unto the Lord. And this psalm, you might know the first, this first verse of this psalm gets quoted many times in Christian circles. It's, it, it, let me read it to you. Psalm 5 verse 1 reads, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditations or my groanings. Hearken unto the sound of my cry or my cry for help, my King and my God, for unto you do I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and will eagerly watch. Or the King James says, or will eagerly look up. I'm, I'm waiting to see your answer. Now, this is a beautiful instruction, really. He's crying out, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation, my groanings. I like the Hebrew word is, Meditation or groaning is basically what's coming out of you from inside deep, not the superficial outer outward. Oh, hi, everybody. What's really going on that the meditation or the groaning would be the stuff that's going down on inside that you might not say if someone said to you, how are you doing today? You went, oh, fine. You could be really wrestling inside. You could. And that oftentimes we do that, don't we? We, we fake it. Oh, yeah, just. Oh, fine. You know, like superficial. Hello. Yeah. Cordial thing. But sometimes on the inside, we're going through turmoil. There's things, issues happening inside our heart. We're struggling. Maybe somebody offended us and we want to wring their neck and, and the Lord's going, okay. And he's working with us. And, and we're, those are our real groanings, our real meditations. The things are, are, we're mulling over in our being that we're considering. Now, the Psalm of David cries out to the Lord, give ear to my words, but consider my my inner groanings. Isn't this nice that you can go to the Lord and say, Lord, consider what I'm really wrestling with inside? Is it nice to have a God that we can pour out our heart to and say, Lord, I'm really struggling with this stuff. Would you consider this? Would you do something about... And what he's saying is he's crying to the Lord. Can I just pour out my heart to you and give you... Just lay it on the table. Here's all my my meditation, my groanings, the stuff I'm really wrestling with. And, and he says, hearken unto the sound of my cry. Lord, hear my cry for help. My King and my God, for unto thee do I pray. Now in the morning, he says, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will, I will order my prayer to you and I will eagerly watch or look up. I'm going to in the morning, and this is a great thing. David, this is something I, I think is very important to teach the, the young Christians to start their day. Like David said, Oh Lord, in the morning, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna put my prayer to you. You know, some of the kids go, Why do you start your day off praying? If you've been a Christian a while, you know, does it affect your day? Um, on, on the days, what who just think, think back like just over the course of a few years in your Christian experience, for those of you who've been in the Lord a while, how about the days when you forgot to start your day praying? 
And you notice any difference between the days when you when you ordered your prayers to the Lord first and then the days when you forgot? And uh, I can look back and think, boy, it's a lot better on the days I prayed first. The day goes so much better when I start off with prayer to the Lord. I just, and, and we can, David's putting it in a great way. If you, if you know the Hebrew here, this is wonderful. He's saying, I could pour out everything from the, my inner being, my groanings, my, my meditations of my heart, the stuff I'm really mulling over. I say, Lord, here it is. I lay it before you. And I cry out to you in the morning and I wait. Now that I've cried out to you, he says, and now I just eagerly wait for your answer because I know you answer. He knew that there's a there's this great thing that happens when we cry to the Lord. He didn't say, yeah, I talked to God and well, he never really talks back or once in a great while I might hear. No, he says, as soon as I pour out my groanings to the Lord, I just lay it before him and I cry out to him in the morning. Then I just look up and I wait eagerly. I eagerly watch for what, what's your answer? Because when you cry out to the Lord, will he answer you? Yes. This is why David said, I, I'm going to cry out to the Lord every morning. And then I'm going to eagerly wait and watch for you to answer. Now, he goes on and he explains something that is really is good for, is sobering for my spirit and helpful because sometimes in this world, while we're waiting for an answer, we might look around at the wicked around us and think, man, they're getting away with everything. And their life is all pleasure and ease and no problem. And, you know, even the psalmist later, well, maybe I'll go to that later, but he complained to the Lord about this. Lord, their their eyes bulge with fatness and they have it so easy. And and I'm just serving you and, it's, and my life isn't easy. I, he, he He's like, this is terrible. And he says, and it really troubled troubled him. He said, until I went into the house of the Lord and I considered what is their end? You know, if they don't know the Lord, let them have a good life now because that's as close to heaven as they're ever going to get. See, by the way, for us Christians, this is as close to hell as you're ever going to get. This is your worst day down here. That's it, man, because after you leave, we, we go to be with the Lord. There won't be any more pain, no more sorrow. So, our worst day here, that's our closest day to hell. The non-believers' best day here is their closest day to heaven. Because when they leave here, it's not going to be good for them. They don't come to know the Lord. And David, he must have been crying out to the Lord and waiting for answers. And while he was waiting, he looked around. He saw the wicked, what they were up to. And the Lord gave him this to pass on in this psalm. Verse 4, he says, For Lord, you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. He says, the boastful shall shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. But as for me, by your abundant loving kindness, I will enter your house. And at your holy temple, I will bow in reverence for you. O Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my foes. Make your way straight before me. There is nothing reliable in what they say. Their inward part is destruction itself. And it says in their their throat, it's an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Boy, David spots the, the wicked what they're up to. In fact, flattery 
that that's one of the first things that he says, you know, to beware of flattery. When someone comes and flatters you, oh, you're so great. You're the greatest preacher I have ever heard. You know, when they start doing that, I'm like, what do they want? David said, these guys, they there's nothing reliable in what they say. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices, let them fall. In the multitude of their transgressions, he says, thrust them out, for they are rebellious against you. Now, is rebellion against the Lord a, a good thing to do? No. I mean, it's one of the things that it tells us in the scripture. Rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. It's not something we're recommended to do. I mean, it, it is something God will cast out, the rebellious one, the one that is rebellious against him. And even Paul Paul points out he was chief, chiefest amongst the sinners. He said, I was a rebellion in rebellion against the Lord. But the Lord had great mercy on me, he said. And the Lord, well, you know how the Lord converted him, right? When he was going to Damascus, he had that letter to, to kill. It was from the chief priest. They gave him permission to go arrest anyone who belonged to this way. The way, they called it. That's what the early church was called, the way. Why, did, why was it called the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. And so the early church was just called the way because the way to God is Jesus. And Paul, he got a letter from the chief Pharisees and scribes and he, he, he had permission to go have any of these new converts to this way beaten, try to get them to denounce their newfound faith or, or imprisoned. And he was doing great harm to the church. And Jesus, who was already resurrected, appeared to him, it says, brighter than the sun at high noon. It said, soul, soul, why dost thou persecuteth me? And he, he came back with a real quick one. He was like, who art thou, Lord, that I might serve thee? He said, I'm Jesus. Now, I find it interesting because Jesus wasn't really on the earth at that point physically. We, we already read in Acts earlier that he had ascended and was seated right hand of the Father. And the apostles saw that their, their, their jaw hung down. <gasps> they were like, oh. Look at, and they got a glimpse into heaven. There's God's throne. There, Jesus is there. And the angel said, why are you guys staring so intently? You know, why are you gawking with your jaw unhinged? Why, why, don't you know this Jesus, the way you saw him go, how he was, he just ascended up into heaven, the heavens parted and, and received him. It says he will come in like manner as you have seen him go. Well, what do we read in Revelation? The sky is going to rent open, peel back, and who's going to be coming? Jesus. And he'll return in the like manner what they saw him leave, only when he returns the second time, it says he won't come in reference to sin. The first coming was to take away sin. The second he will come to rule and to reign. He'll come, well, it says he'll be on a flying horse with a, written on his thigh will say, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he'll have, he'll come with his myriad of, of his army all the saints flying in with it. It's going to be a great day. Now, we who are alive, it says, will be caught up to meet him in the air. I, I look forward. I'm like, boy, this is going to be fun. What a day. You know, this is... Now, who taught this stuff, by the way? Who, who came up with this whole idea that the Lord's coming back? Do you remember this? Because some people say, you really are big on Jesus' coming back, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, I am. They said, well, where did you learn that? I said, I said, who, who taught that? Um, let me see. That'd be John chapter 14. A, a guy named Jesus taught that. 
He said, in my father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. Then, And he says, that I, I'm preparing a place for you that I might come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. I want you to be with me. So I'm going to go there. Don't, and their hearts were really heavy. They're like, oh, no, he's leaving. He's just telling them, look, I'll be back. I'll be back. Don't, don't freak out. I'll be back. He's the one who taught that he would come. He says, comfort one another with these words. This should make us as Christians comforted. Like someday, we don't know the day or the hour, but we know the truth that he will come. And it says that truth purifies our hearts. But see, we, we have this hope, it says, that we're going to see him someday. And when we see him, it says, we will be made like him. You know, all the this corruption that we had, the, the, the mortal bodies that we possess what's it say the mortal will be changed into immortal the corruption will put on incorrupt you get a new body not no more pain no more sorrow made like him when we see him that's what's going to happen in a moment you know some of you when they jesus said watch out for fellows that say oh jesus is back he's over there in the wilderness go out there and see him he said don't even bother that's a false messiah because it says the coming of the Son of Man will be faster than lightning flashes from the east to the west. He'll be back so quick. There's no way someone's going to outrun lightning to get to you to tell you that Jesus is back. Jesus will beat them. He'll be there already telling you, I'm here. That's why we need to be ready at all times. Because there's not, there's not going to be that, uh-oh, hurry. Now, you know, some people like to wait to the last minute, put it off. They're like, I'll do it when it's, um, yeah, later, later, later. No, you need to get ready now. Because when he comes, it says his coming was so quick. It'd be like a thief in the night. It'll be boom. You won't have time to be going, I'll get ready later. Get ready now. So that when he does come, you'll be like the wise virgins that had their lamp full of oil and are ready to go in. You're, you're ready to go to the marriage supper. You're like, okay, let's do it. We want to be ready. It's exciting to have this hope. But this hope, I've shared it before, but this hope purifies my heart. Because I sure don't want to be sinning when Jesus is coming. Do you? I mean, whenever whenever I'm tempted to sin, sometimes the Holy Ghost just reminds me of this truth and says, you know, I could send Jesus right now. You did just teach everybody last night about how I could come any minute and you're sure you want to sin? You want me to show up and you'll be sinning right while I... No, Lord, I don't. Doesn't that kind of purify from within my heart? My heart goes, yeah, I'll pass. I don't want to, this is not the last thing. I want to be the last thing I'm preaching to you about is coming, not I'm sinning. And then he comes and I'm like spiritually caught with my drawers down, so to speak, going, oh no, I, I didn't expect you. You know, no, I want to be, I want to be like in a sober spirit. Well, David, while he's saying this psalm about crying out to the Lord and waiting for the Lord's answer, he must have looked out and seen the wicked getting away with all this stuff. And he says in it, you know, Lord, I, I, I see that, but I see that their end. And by the way, this is a good thing. He recognizes that God, you are a, a, a God who takes no pleasure in wickedness, verse 4 said, and no evil dwells with you. So even though they're doing evil, he recognized with you, Lord, there's no, you have no evil. No evil dwells with you. So they're not going to be dwelling with you. And and then he says, and I, I Lord, leave me. As for me, verse 7, he says, 
by your abundant loving kindness, I will enter your house and your holy temple. I will bow in reverence for you. And oh, Lord, lead me in your righteousness. Verse eight says, because of my foes. Did David have enemies? Remember King David? He had a few few enemies, didn't he? He said, lead me in your ways, Lord. Make, make my way, well, your way straight before me. Let me walk in that right path. And then he says, Lord, and take care of those bad guys. You hold them guilty, O oh God. You let their own devices make them fall. Let them get caught in the, you know, when the wicked started making traps against David, David just cried out to the Lord, let them get caught in their own trap. Lord, you know, they're setting a trap for me. How about let their trap spring on them? Let it spring right on them. Get it, get them caught in their own trap. Let, the, let them get what they, they're playing. Now, can God do that to the wicked when the wicked plan? Oh, yeah. The wicked can make some bad plans to, to ruin you. And, and some people get all worried about the wicked's plans. And I think, don't. David knew what would God. His God is pretty big. His God can make their trap catch them. It's just, you take care of it, Lord. And verse 11, he says, but let all who take refuge in you, that's everyone around the table, every one of us that takes refuge in the Lord, he's our safe haven. He says, let all of us be glad. Let them ever sing for joy, and may you shelter them, that those who love your name may exult. Exult is, means to exceedingly leap for joy. Like jumping up and down. Yay! Thank you, God. We, you take care of us. We exult in you. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. Now, this is something that is really sweet. David recognized when you walk upright with the Lord, that the Lord has a blessing for you. He blesses the righteous man. And he surrounds him with favor from God. I don't know about you, but this is something to have God's favor. Is that a is that a good thing for us to have? And someone says, "Wow, you seem to have God's favor in your life. Always, He's looking out for you. He's always He's favor is well. Some of the kids would be. Does that mean you're His favorite? It's favor. Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, it means He's He sees you and He's looking out for you. And He says to the person who does rightly before God, righteously. And by the way. Our righteousness is simply being right in right standing with God because of what Jesus did. Not because we're perfect. Because Christ was the perfect sacrifice. That's what makes us righteous. But when we be, when we receive that, God says he reckons that to us. He counts that to our account as righteousness. When we believe in Jesus, they're right with me. And when we're right with him, he says, you get God's favor surrounding you like a shield. Anyone want God's favor like a shield? I do. Man, Lord, put your favor around me like a shield. Because when he, when he puts that favor, his favor around you, his, it's his shield around your life, it's a protection. That song got me an understanding that I need to wake up and pray. Like start my day. It, David started his day. And at the end of this psalm, David has God's favor as a shield around him, thinking, I'm doing this psalm. Forget it. I'm The wicked do whatever they want to do. It doesn't sound good for them. They, they don't wind up in a good way. But the guy who does what's right, he gets God answering his prayers. 
He gets God's favor on his life, surrounding him like a shield. And he gets, he gets God to hear all of the cries of his heart, his meditation, his groanings, whatever's going on inside. He can just pour it out to, his, to a living God who hears his prayer and will answer. You know, isn't that the nice thing about the Lord? That when you can, you don't have to hide anything from the Lord. When you're struggling, you say, Lord, man, I'm really struggling. Do we have to lie to God? Oh, God, I just thank thee that I have such a nice life. And inside you're going, oh, I hate it. I'm having a bad day. You know, you can't, you can't snow him anyway. So quit trying. This psalm declares what you should do. Just lay it out there to him. Cry out to him in the morning. Say, Lord, consider my groanings. You know, I got some problems that I'm just going to lay it on you. But when you do, David said he was, he looked up anxiously, expectantly. He was watching. What will he do now when I pour out my heart? And King David had foes. But he saw the battle belonged to who? To the Lord. And he learned to, he, he, he fought a bit for his own battles. Got himself in some deep holes. Till he grew in his faith and understood God is the one that has to fight our battles. You gotta let the Lord fight our battles. You know, it's so much better when you let the Lord fight your battles and let him be your shield. Because he has ways to take care of our foes better than we could ever do. When the enemy thinks he's going to pull some wicked maneuver against us, David says, I'm really glad I got you to cry out to, Lord. You're, when my foes are against me, he says, he says, you lead me in your righteousness and you take care of them. You make my way straight. And as for them, Lord, you, you know how to take care of them. Now, that's something we learn as we grow. But it's good to learn from an older Christian to pass that on to a younger Christian. Let, let me tell you, the Lord is very good at fighting battle. You know, some people get all freaked out about things. They they hear a rumor. Oh, no, did you hear that this bad thing's going to happen to this church? And so there's some people coming against them. They want to stop them from. I remember when Bruce Campbell was um, trying to get a turn lane into Grace Community Church. Oh, no, you can't do it. All these people have said no way on Polani Road to have a turn lane. And they're going to have to move this power pole. And, and it's a big, it's big money to move the, the main power pole on the thing. And. I was thinking, is it hard for the Lord to move the power pole? Somebody crashed into the power pole. It went down. All the paperwork was in for moving. It just needed to be moved like 50 feet down the road. But because of where it was, it couldn't you know, widen it enough to make that turn lane. And so the Lord just goes, no problem. I'll just have it fall down. You know, bam, someone took it out, took out the main power pole on Polani, dropped it. And they went, well, well, now that it's down, we have to pay to put it up anyway. And this church is willing to pay. Uh, they were going to ask if they would move it, but they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't move it. But now that it fell down, I guess we could just put up a new one over there, a better one, and let the church pay for it and let them have their tournament. And I go, guys, there was people saying, it's never going to, there's such a, so much lobbying against them getting the, why should they get a turn? When God is for you, What's the Bible say? Who can be what, against you? You know, Tex at Solid Rock had things against him when he was trying to get out in the old industrial, I mean, I'm sorry, the new industrial, trying to get into the building out there. 
Yeah, you can't do that. This is an industrial area. You can't have a church there. We have a, I remember all these things. We've had it for us against the beach. You know, you're on a beach. How do you get to be on the beach? Well, because we have a really big God. And the enemy comes with all sorts of plans that he likes to try to scare us with. But who is it that fights our battle? It's the Lord. And we just need to be reminded. And we can remember, we can cry out all our groanings. All, all of our meditation, all the stuff that's really going on inside, you don't have to hide that from God. You can't anyway. You might think you can. I'm not going to tell him I'm really struggling with this particular thing. I'll just, oh God, let me thank you for this day and please give me my daily bread. And, you know, and inwardly you're just dying over some issue. Just cry out and lay it on the table because he already knows anyway. He's God. He's a living God. And this psalm just reminds me how to get his favor like a shield. Cry out and lay it on the table and look up and wait for his answer. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.